This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Baptist Church. Welcome to Living the Bible Together. We would love for you to visit our church located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information, visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Welcome to the Liberty Hill Church. We're glad that you've come to be with us again for our Bible study. Tonight we're going to study tithing. This is a Bible study from 2009 that we presented surrounding the issue of tithing and to find what the text has to say. We're going to talk about three different types of tithes in the Bible tonight. So as we listen, as we participate with our Bibles open, we will find the richness and the great instruction of God toward giving. So before we get started tonight, let us bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for all the blessings that you have bestowed upon us throughout our lives. And we thank you, God, even now in times and seasons of distress, we thank you even the more realizing, Lord, that you're still in control. And so we thank you for all of your provisions, all of your great blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask tonight that you would allow your word to become brighter within our lives, Lord, as we seek to follow the great example that you have given us through Jesus Christ. Give us now even afresh and anew the mind that is in Christ Jesus as you lead us through your Holy Spirit into righteousness and truth. We love you and we give you all of the honor, the power, and the glory. Open our hearts and minds to your wisdom. In the great, the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Again, welcome to the Liberty Hill Church. We hope that you will visit us again on Sunday at 11 o'clock. You may join us for our Sunday worship. We would love to have you. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. I'll just use my money to buy some softer paper for the toilets at the church uh, rather than to tithe this week. Then uh, the one fella, he says that since I did some work for the church, I'll just, uh, you can turn the lights back up. I just won't give it all this week. Somebody said, I gave more last week, so I don't have to give this week. And there are all kinds of different notions about tithing. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about tithing. Uh, for those of you who are visiting with us this morning, we are glad that you just take one and keep passing it around. I'm glad that you're visiting with us. I'm glad in a sense that uh, most of us are home folk this morning, and so we have the opportunity to talk about tithing. Uh, this is a church, if you've noticed, we rarely talk about giving, rarely talk about money. Uh, and yet, in our preaching schedule for the year, uh, this is uh, a sermon uh, that was scheduled to come forward this morning. Uh, for the last uh, year, we've known this was coming. As a matter of fact, we did a seminar, and we, we promised you that we would come back and talk a little bit more about tithing in detail so that you could understand it. One of the reasons that it is extremely important for you as the member of this congregation to understand is because if you've noticed, we rarely do any begging. If I don't think we've ever uh, uh, done any begging uh, during the short time that I've been past. I haven't begged you for anything. Uh, if we talk about some things that might need to be done, we've asked you, could you do a little bit more? And that's it. 
And I normally follow that by saying, don't go in your bill money and so on and so forth. We haven't asked you for that. And so uh, you recognize, even if you're visiting this morning, that we have one offering. Uh, and I've heard people say, I go to church, they got four or five offerings, and they just keep on asking you to give, give, give. Then uh, there are a whole lot of places where you'll go and you'll find out that uh, there's a chicken dinner this week and a calendar sale next week and so on and so forth. And people are always working and they're always fundraising and so on and so forth. And yet the church is still broke. And I think that if we really uh, think about where we are now today as a church and where we stand financially, we stand different today than we've stood in the past when we did so many fundraisers and so on and so forth. I honestly, truly believe, even though it seems like this wouldn't be the best way, it would seem that maybe fundraising would get you uh, this and could, you could do that through fundraising and whatnot, uh, it has been proven that uh, it will never do better than what God said for us to do in terms of how we should fund the church. The church should be taken care of through the tithe primarily and then there are offerings that are presented over and above your tithe. But the tithe is the primary way that the church is taken care of. And so this morning, we're going to explain uh, tithes as best we can uh, with regards to what the scriptures tell us. First, let me give you, and again, the reason that I'm giving you this sheet is because most of you recognize that I usually uh, preach from one text. And so it's easier for you to keep up. I've given you this sheet so that you're able to take some notes and so that you might be able to follow along as we talk about reasons for tithing. Uh, if we look in the book of Genesis, we will find um, we will find how this tithe got started. In the book of Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 20, it would help you to have your Bibles out today, your pencils, your pens, so on and so forth. Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 20. As you're turning there, I will say to you, uh, so that you might be able to, uh, well, I won't say keep your comments to yourself. You can make them if you would like, uh, but uh, I want to tell you that they would be incorrect if you should happen to uh, make the comment, well, you know, pastor's supposed to be hooping at 12 o'clock. Uh, why is he teaching tithing? Uh, if we would all show up to Bible study, uh, then we could be doing that. But uh, you've got to learn what it means to, to take care of the church. And so preaching is teaching. They're both the same. And the more that you get involved in the word of God, you will then begin to uh, recognize that. So I thought I would just uh, share that with you. Genesis chapter 14, uh, verses 17 through 20. And that's the first book of the Bible. And that was funny. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Sherdalar Mur and of the king that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's valley or king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High, God possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. 
Now notice here, as Abram and Melchizedek come together, they come together over bread and wine. Can anybody tell me what this resembles in the church? Communion, exactly. It resembles communion. And so this is one of the first times where we began to see this whole idea of communion or a communion meal. It is a foreshadow, if you will, uh, as he sits down and he has this bread and wine with Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a priest. Now, a priest is a person who stands between the people and God. When the people needed to come and ask for forgiveness, or if the people needed to come and ask God a question and so on and so forth, they would come to the priest, the priest would go to God, he'd come back from God, he'd come to the people. So he was kind of the exchange. And so here what has happened is Abram has gone to war and Sister uh, uh, Garner, he has taken some spoils of the war. He was able to get some stuff from the war. When he gets the things from the war, what he does is he takes a tithe. He takes 10% of everything that he got in the war and he gave it to Melchizedek. Melchizedek offered to give him some things back and so on and so forth, but uh, Abram said no. And what happens as a result of this is that Melchizedek blesses Abraham. He blessed him. He blessed Abraham. And as a result of that blessing, Abraham recognizes that I want to give something back. And so our tithe, uh, it unleashes or it releases a particular kind of blessing in our life because it shows our gratitude. And so it starts with Abram. But then uh, what happens also in the book of Genesis, just a few chapters in chapter 28, chapter 28, verse 20 and through 22, we'll see it again. It starts with Abraham or Abram. And then Jacob picks it up again in chapter 28, chapter 28, verses 20 through 22. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I will go or I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord my God, then shall the Lord be my God, I'm sorry, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And so what Jacob does is he now takes this principle that Abram um, releases into the text. He takes it and he solidifies it by voluntarily saying that if God will protect me and keep me, bring me back to this place, then I'm going to give a tenth. And so the tithe begins as a voluntary action. It begins as a voluntary action by the forefathers of the family. That's how it starts. What happens is it becomes, you know how sometimes we have these traditions that that continue to go on, and after a while that tradition becomes in a sense a law? What happens is this tradition continues, and when the children of Israel come out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, and he then gives them the law, the the things that he wants them to do in order to live holy lives, he then makes it a necessity. It becomes a law that you must tithe. And so today, I'm going to talk to you about those three types of tithes. There are actually three types of tithes in the Bible. 
And uh, I know oftentimes we think there's only one, but there are three types of tithes within the text of the Bible. One is the welfare tithe. The welfare tithe uh, is a tithe that would ultimately go to help the poor, to help orphans, to help widows indeed. And when I say widows indeed, I mean a widow that is destitute. There's no, there, she has nothing else that she can do. That is why the text always puts her with an orphan, because she has no family. She has nobody that can help her. And so uh, the welfare tithe would go for that. The festival tithe was a tithe that was given around certain types of holidays or holy days. That's where we get the word holiday from, holy days. And so those holy days that God uh, put forth within the text of the Bible, they would bring a tithe around those times, around Pentecost, around um, Passover, around the Feast of Unleavened Bread, around the uh, Feast of Tabernacle, and so on and so forth. They would bring a tithe. And then there is the Levitical or priestly tithe, the Levitical or priestly tithe. These are the tithes that would be brought to the priest in order to take care of the priest and to take care of the temple. And so there are three types of tithes uh, within the text of the Bible. The welfare tithe is a tithe, as I uh, said to you, that again was for those who were in need, orphans, widows, those who are poor. Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29 gives us an example of this. It is not the only example, but it is one of the examples that we may find. Deuteronomy, again, in those first five books of the Bible where you, you, you don't have to leave it just yet. Deuteronomy chapter 14. And begin at verse 25. Then shall thou turn it into money and bind up the money in thine hand and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt bestow the money for whatsoever thou soul lusteth after for oxen and for sheep or for wine or for strong drink or for whatsoever thy soul desireth and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God and thou shalt rejoice that thou and thine household and the Levite that is within thy gate thou shalt not forsake him for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee at the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year and shall lay it up within thy gate and the Levite because he hath no part and no inheritance with thee and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. And so here he's telling them that they need to bring to take care of the priest, to take care of the widow, the fatherless, the stranger, the, the destitute, to take care of the poor. He's telling them that you need to bring in order to take care of all of those folks. In other words, anybody that did not have a way to take care of themselves, he wanted them to take care of. Them. One of those people, of course, is the priest because the priest uh, did not have an inheritance. He did not have a land of his own. His job was to mediate between God and the people. And so uh, while he and, 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 and 
the, the point is, while he took care of the things of God and while he made certain that he was dealing with the Lord and the things of the temple, then it was the people's obligation to take care of him. The poor, those who are widows, those who are fatherless, an orphan cannot help it. It becomes the, the job and the duty of the congregation to take care of them. And they do it through the tithe. Today, this welfare tithe, particularly with regards to widows, orphans, and the poor, is what we would think of as our missionary offering. Now, our missionary offering does not stand alone. Because again, out of the tithe, our church, we have a general budget, and out of that tithe, what we do, there are times when our diaconate designates monies and the church designates monies, especially toward missionary efforts. One of our missionary efforts or missionary partnerships is with the American Baptists. As you recognize, we're American Baptists. We write a check every year to American Baptists. When we write that check to American Baptists, other American Baptists have wrote checks also. And what they're doing is they are taking care of, there's a, um, if you remember, Sister Kelly had a tea earlier this year, and that money was to help uh, girls in Haiti. Ghana, I'm sorry, girls in Ghana, girls in Ghana that have been uh, taken and, in a sense, sexually abused and sold and so on and so forth. And the American Baptist uh, mission there is trying to get those girls and help them to uh, start a new life. Um, there are also other kinds of missionary efforts all across the country that they're doing. We're starting churches. I think before 2010, the goal is to start 10,000 more churches globally. And so those, those kind of funds go toward uh, uh, missionary work. And so, again, the tithe was supposed to be uh, uh, for the aid of others. The festival tithe which is found, again, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, same chapter, uh, verses 22 and, uh, or 20 through 22. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am the part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh the tabernacle of congregation, lest they bear sin and die. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I've given you the wrong, uh, I'm, I'm somewhere else. 1422, I'm sorry. Should have went just a little bit above where I was. Thou shalt truly... Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field beareth, for, uh, bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which shall choose to place his name there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thine oil, of thy firstling, of thy herd, of thy flock. That thou mayest learn, learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And if the way be too long for thee so that thou art not to carry it or to the place be too far for thee, which the Lord thy God hath chosen to set his name there. When the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, then shalt thou turn it into money. And then that's, that's when we go back into that, um, into that other section. That's when we go back into that other section with regards to 
with regards to bringing that money at the, when he says bring it year by year. And so he's saying here that we, in the beginning of the year, when they would uh, begin, or, or just after the Passover, they would have a time where they would come and they would bring special offerings to recognize that new year that was coming. Year by year would be a festival time, just like we celebrate New Year's. As we celebrate New Year's and we recognize that God has brought us through another year, it is a time for us to recognize his blessings in our life and think about what he's doing. And so he told them to bring an offering at that time. Then there is, aside from the festival tithe, there is the the Levitical tithe in Numbers 18, verses 20 through 24. There's the Levitical tithe, and that's what I had read before. And the Lord thy God spoke to Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part in thy inheritance among the children of Israel, and behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth of Israel for an inheritance for their service, which they serve even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Numbers 18, 20 through 21. And so here he establishes the way that the priests would be taken care of. That a tithe, that the tithe, out of the tithe, there is the welfare tithe, there is the festival tithe, and then there is the tithe that takes care of the priest. Because there was no inheritance for the priest. He took care of the things of God. And so within the text of the Bible, there are three types of tithes. All of these tithes, however, as you looked at Deuteronomy 14 and Numbers 18, as you look at those, you may recognize that all of these tithes, the priest was there somewhere. He was always there somewhere in the midst of the tithe. Because it was through the tabernacle or through the place of God that things took, took place. If there were poor folks, they were coming to the, to the gate of the temple. You notice that when you're reading the New Testament, when he says that they're not in the temple, but they were standing at the gate. They were standing at the gate because they were waiting for the priest to come and give them something, some type of substance. So they would stay at the gate. At that time, it was against the law for them to come into the tabernacle if they had some type of sickness. And so they would wait at the gate and wait for someone to come and bring, if you notice, uh, Paul uh, and Silas as they are praying and so on and so forth throughout the text. We can recognize times when they would bring alms to the poor, when uh, beggars would ask them for alms because they couldn't go into the temple themselves. They would wait until somebody would bring them something. And so what happens with this tithe is over time there was too much even for the priests to eat. And so during the time of King Hezekiah, they started storing tithes. They would store them in a storehouse. And that is why when we look at Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the tithes to the storehouse. Because the tithe became so great that the priests could not use it all. If you think about today, uh, in many of our churches in terms of the tithe, if you, if you gave the complete tithe to the pastor... Uh, it would more than likely be more than he could actually use to sustain his life. 
And so there are other things that have to take place in the tabernacle. He was given charge over the uh, instruments of the tabernacle, the upkeep of the tabernacle. And so today our tithe takes care of the sanctuary. It takes care of making sure the lights are on. It takes care of making sure the gas is paid. It takes care of making sure the pastor is paid. It makes certain that uh, any custodial staff, musicians, and so on and so forth, all of that is coming out of our general budget, out of our tithe. And that's the way that God intends for us to take care of the church. Now, that's the Old Testament uh, words that are spoken to give you an idea of how things started. But there's some people who say that, well, the, the, the tithe is not in the New Testament. Well, if you look at Matthew, the first book in the, uh, in the New Testament, we will find... We will find the tithe again in Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have done and not to leave, not to leave the other undone. And so what Jesus is saying here is now he is making the point that the tithe is not the most important thing that takes place in the church but it still should not be left undone. And so this should let us know just because we give our money doesn't mean that that's the most important thing. That is why oftentimes we accept people doing all kinds of things, saying all kinds of things because uh, they give more than everybody else. Jesus is saying there's more to it than that. Just because you give on Sunday does not mean that the Lord is completely pleased with you. There are other things that must be done. But don't leave the tithe undone, he says. And so we can recognize that, again, Jesus talks about tithing in Matthew. In Matthew 22, he uses a scripture in uh, 22, verses 19 through 22, one that is familiar to, to us. They say unto him, Caesar, uh, uh, when he asked him to bring the money to him, bring the money to me, and whose inscription or whose image is on the money? And they said, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Now oftentimes we have all different kinds of interpretations of this, but really what the point uh, here as we look at it is most of us pay our, our, our taxes. We render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and we'll pay our taxes, but we will not pay our tithes. And I would really hate to, to stand there before God and explain to him why I paid my taxes, but I didn't pay my tithes. I'd rather not pay my taxes than pay my tithes. But he said here to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and the things of God that which is God. So that means that I should pay my taxes and I should pay my tithes. And so we have to make certain that we recognize that. Not only is it in the Gospels, but the, the principle of tithing is also in the uh, epistles. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 beginning at verse 10 or saith he it altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope 
should be partakers of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things. If others be partakers of this, nevertheless we have not used this power but suffereth all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they would preach the gospel, they, they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 19, verses 10 through 14. And again, he's saying here that we need to bring, oh, verses 9, I'm sorry, chapter 9, chapter 9. And so again, he's telling us to bring our tithes so that we might take care of the priest, he who labors of the gospel, and those who wait at the altar, those widows, those orphans, those who are in need, the poor. And then the last scripture that I share with you in the book of Hebrews Hebrews ties all of this back together again, chapters 5 and 6. These are chapters that you might want to read the entire chapter at, at, at your leisure at home because these particular chapters then allow you to see the significance of what Abraham did with Melchizedek in the very first scripture that I shared with you. Hebrews chapters 5 and 6. Hebrews chapters 5 and 6, or 5 and 7, I'm sorry, 5, 6 and 7. Chapter 5, verse 5 says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he, he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so we see that Christ now stands in the place that Melchizedek stood for Abraham. He stood in that place where we should be in communion with him. Remember, they sat down with bread and wine. We should be in communion with him, and our giving should reflect our belief. Chapter 6, verse 20. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 7, verse 1, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that king of Salem, which is a king of priest, of, of peace. And so again, we see Christ coming after that order and that it becomes our duty as Christians to give. And so that becomes the point. The point is that we all love the Lord our God with all our mind, our heart, our mind, and our soul. And so he says that the tithe belongs to me. He tells us that we are to bring the tithe. And because of that love for God, that's what we should do. The tithe does not belong to us. The tithe belongs to God. And so he says we ought bring it. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We ought to care about our pastor. We should care about the poor. And we should care about the church. 
And so as we care about those things and as we, if, we, if we put ourselves in any of those positions, we should recognize that we want to make certain that it is financially stable. And so our tithe is important. I hear people say, and it sounds good, well, I work mine off. Uh, I give my 10% in time. You never read that in the Bible. You came up with that. Now, everything I've read to you and anything else that you'll read about the tithe never mentions your time. Now, we can, we can uh, bring this philosophically and say, you know, it's all about my time. That's not what the text says. The text says it's about your resources. You got 10 cows, bring one. You got $100, bring 10. It doesn't talk about your time. We threw that in there. It talks about your resources. Matter of fact, in the first, in the second or third scripture I read to you, he said if you got some stuff converted into money. And so it's not talking about all of those other things that we make up. It's telling us to take care of our church, to take care of the poor, take care of our pastor. That's the way, it's through the tithe. It is not through uh, chicken dinners, it's not through chitlin' struts. It's not through all of those programs and hoping that somebody will come out and so on and so forth. Those are good, but that is not the way to fund the church. There are a whole lot of folk that disagree, but there are a whole lot of folk who walk in darkness and they're not blessed. There are a whole lot of churches that are struggling and they still got all kind of fundraisers going on. Any church can do well if they do what God said do. The way to fund the church is through the tithe. Whatever God gives me, I'm going to give 10% back. That's not no extra strain or additional strain on anybody. If you're poor and you got zero, 10% of zero is zero. If you're rich and you got a million dollars, we all give with the same amount and degree of sacrifice. Now, our offerings is over and above our tithe. Our tithe is what we're supposed to bring no matter what. And that's how we take care of and fund the church. If we pay our tithes, don't nobody ever have to beg you for nothing. Nobody have to call you and ask you for nothing extra. Don't nobody have to say that the church needs new carpet and so on and so forth. If everybody would just pay their tithes. The Lord will continue to bless us as a church. Let me say to you that it is not the position of God for you to sit on your tithes because you're mad. As that woman said, the toilet paper is a little too rough in the, in the bathroom. Don't you sit on your tithes because the toilet paper is too rough for you. There are folk who think that they're going to stop the church because they sit on their tithes. If you think the toilet paper's rough in the church bathroom, you wait till you get home and check your own toilet paper, you stop paying your tithe. Because your toilet paper might be rougher. Not only that, oh yeah, I better share this with you because I don't want you to not know this. You need to know this. If you should happen to spend out of your tithes, for those of you who borrow your tithes, Leviticus 27 verses 30 through 31 if you borrow from your tithes, you owe interest. Let me show that to you, because I know it's some folk that I'm going to pay my tithes, you know, month after next. 
I need to borrow this to pay my rent, and I'm going to buy me a car, and I need my down payment, and, and I'm going to borrow this money. Okay, well, the Lord made provisions. Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 and 31. And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem out of his tithe, if you take out of your tithe, he shall add thither to the fifth part thereof. A fifth part is 20%. If you take the number five and divide it into the number one, five over one, you will realize that a fifth part is 20%. Five going to 10 two times, and so you get 20%. And so if you take out of your tithes and you don't pay your tithes on time because somebody asked me, said, Pastor, how should I pay my tithes? Should I pay them once a month or should I pay them when I get paid? And I told them if you're going to do it according to the way the Bible tells us to do it, we pay them when we get paid. Because he said out of what we have, not, not, uh, not paying it all at once and all that kind of thing. I know that that makes bad bookkeeping. Oh, I had to write two checks and all that kind of thing. Hey, if you want to do it the right way, write them two checks. Sister Featherston probably looking at me like that one check is so easy to count. <laughs> but what you're supposed to do is when you get paid, the first thing you're supposed to do is write that check, Amen. your tithe check. If you don't pay those tithes when you're supposed to pay those tithes, then you owe the church not only that 10%, but you owe 20% on what you borrowed. And so we shouldn't borrow out of our tithes unless we're willing to pay also the 20%. And that's Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 through 31. Yeah, 30 through 31. Having said that, as Pastor McCoy, you say, as I run toward a close, having said that, I want to say uh, to you as a church that you do a very fine job as tithers. Most of the people in this church tithe. I'm teaching this really to answer some questions because at, in, in times past there have been some questions as to why we don't do as many fundraisers. And this is why. Fundraising just takes a lot of time, but it does not make any more money. And if you are a member of this church, you just ask the treasure. You ask the treasure, you ask the past treasure. You ask the uh, person who did uh, the audit. And they will tell you that financially we're doing better than we have. And the words that I was told in seven years is what I was told. And I know we're doing a whole lot better than when I got here four years ago. A whole lot better. And there are few, much fewer, I don't know of any fundraisers as of today. It's all through tithing. And so we can be blessed that way. What I'm going to do, I've got about five minutes before 1230. And I know that this is important. There are some questions that may be on some people's minds in terms of tithing. Now, I'm not going to answer nothing else. <laughs> if, you want, if you want to know something else, you have to ask me that later. But if you have a question about the tithe, I will take a couple of questions, and then uh, when I run out of time, I'm out of time, and I'll cut you off. Anybody have any questions on tithing? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, that is, that's what I was just saying. Leviticus 27, verses 30 through 31. The interest on that is 20%. Yes. Is there anywhere in the, in the, anywhere else in the Bible where it refers to this interest? No. Leviticus uh, chapter 27 is the only place that we'll find. But the, the whole answer to that, first off, the answer is no. This is the only place that you'll see the interest. Second answer to that is that the Levitical law itself is the primary book of law within our Bible. So it stands to reason that this is where you would see it. Uh, in the New Testament, the book that correlates with this book is the book of Hebrews. And that's why you see it begin to talk more about the... Um, after the order of Melchizedek, because there are some things that we don't really get from the Bible simply because at that time period it was assumed that people already knew. Such as when Jacob, if you notice when Jacob does it, he says, I'll give the tenth, the tenth. And he says it as if, I mean, as you're reading the text, it's said almost as if you already understand what that is. And so when you talk about tithing, when Abraham does it, when Jacob does it, it almost seems like you should already know certain things. And so even when we read the book of law in the book of Leviticus, there's some things that are just left out because the text assumes that they would have already known. Yes. I would not think so. What I would do personally is I would write the check, period. I would write the check. And uh, I would bring it to church, but one of the things that you always have the option of doing, and there's several members of this church that do this for whatever reason, there's several members of this church who mail their tithes. And our mailbox actually is locked and secure. Uh, behind a locked and secure door. So the mailbox itself is locked and secure, and the door is locked and secure. So there's several persons who just go ahead and mail their check, and I'm glad you asked that question because it brings up something else that I just want to share with this congregation. There's several folk who are not members of this church that tithe here. There's several folks that tithe here because they've said to me that they don't have a church home, but this is the closest thing they have to a church home, and so they feel obligated to tithe here, even though they don't have a church home. And so we're praying for them. We hope they make this their church home. But they do tithe here. So there's several members of this church that mail their tithes each week. Uh, and we may not even see them for several Sundays, but we do see their tithes. Well, Leviticus, and I'm glad that actually these questions kind of coincide, the question that Brother Wade asked in terms of is it somewhere else. This particular text is very specific. It says if you borrow out of. It's not talking about if you forget it. It's talking about if you borrow out of it. So this interest is not levied on your memory or any of those kind of things. This is if you borrow out of it. So if you took the money and you used it for something else and then you're going to replace your tithes. It says if you take out or you borrow out of, that's what it's talking about. Any others? Yes.
Right. Uh, and I've explained that like this. There are a whole lot of folk who try to explain that, well, I don't bring that money home. You could bring that money home if you work. If anybody in here that has their own business brings all of that money home and they end up having, they have all of that money in their hand, that gross is in their hand, they take out of that money and they pay their taxes. But it was all in their hand to start with. When we work for a company, they take the taxes first, but they, but it's still our money, okay? That taxes is still your money. So for, for us to try to figure out, well, that, ta- that wasn't my money. Yes, it was your money. You worked for it. They gave you, they gave you your stub that says that you made that money, but Uncle Sam took his first. And so it is, it is not the net. It is the gross. Uh, Sister uh, Moore. It, it is, I, I understand what you're saying. Most of us pay tithes on the refund check because it is uh, income. But I, I understand what you're saying because technically if we've paid on the gross, we've already paid our tithe on that money. And so if you're paying on the gross, now not you netters, if you're paying on the gross... You've already paid the tithe on that refund. Yes. Is tithe necessarily paid to a church? What if God has put it on your heart to, to take your money, not to keep it, but to pay it, but he has designated, uh, uh, I would say, a charity or some other, like an orphan charity or some other thing, and you send it? Very good question. Very good question. The answer is no. <laughs> Uh, uh, your tithe, now that's an offering or something out of the goodness of your heart that you want to do for an offering. Your tithe is to come to, he says, bring your tithe to my storehouse. Your tithe comes to the place where you worship, where you belong, and it comes under the oversight of your pastor or your priest, so to speak. And so your tithe should always come to your church. Sister uh, Debbie, did you have your hand up? Sister Debbie? Okay. Was there another hand back there? Okay. Yes. Best answer that I can give you on that, and again, this is kind of uh, goes back to what Brother Wade was asking. There is there is some notion that you already understand what first fruits are as you read the Bible, but there's no real concrete evidence in terms of what the text means by that. And so the only thing that we can do at that is to pray about it and to, you know, spiritually surmise certain things. But we don't we I cannot concretely answer that question based on what the text says. Yes. I'm sorry, Sister Shaw. I'm only taking questions. If I take any comments, I'd have a lot of them. Okay. All right. Well, I thank God for you, and I hope that you will recognize. Sister Nelson, did you have a question? Yes, sir. I just wanted, just for clarity, if you find $10 and there's nobody around that you think it might belong to, would you take a dollar of that and put it in the office? Yes, it is income, and so you owe a dollar. 
Yeah, it's not, it is not just from, I'm glad she said that because you know what? There's some folk that will only tithe from their job. But you know you do hair in the kitchen? And you know you cut grass on the side? That money, you owe a tenth of that. That's an income. And so just because you made it on the side does not mean that you're not supposed to tithe on it. So yes, you should pay a tithe on everything you receive. And so I share these things with you because, and I know that there's Sundays when we say, oh boy, that was a good sermon and so on and so forth. I share these with you because this is one of the things that you need in your life to bless you. Malachi 3.10 tells us that when we tithe, we're blessed. It unlocks a blessing in our life. And so today, I pray that you receive this message in your heart and allow it to to just grow within you. And that if you're not already a tither, that you become one. And if you are a tither, that you'll keep on doing the great work that you do. Today, let me raise, uh, just let me uh, open the doors of the church in this way. Because there may be folk who are sitting here and you really don't understand tithing and you don't understand what the preacher's talking about and and they're talking about giving, let me tell you, number one, that in this church we rarely talk about money. This is one of the few Sundays in the year that we'll talk about it and I won't raise this anymore this year. And so maybe you're visiting today. Let me tell you that as Jesus said in the text of Matthew, this is not the most important thing. It should be taken care of, but not the most important thing. The most important thing is that your soul belongs to God. And so today I invite you, if your soul doesn't belong to God, you came to this church and you were uh, waiting to receive a word from God. That word today is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the word for today. The word for the day, according to the book of Romans, is that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so today I invite you to accept that gift in your life, that gift that only God can give. Won't you come? Everybody's standing. Come to Jesus. Won't you come? Maybe you're new to the city. You don't have a church home. We invite you today. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Come to Jesus. Come. Won't you come? Maybe you've been coming to this church for a while, but you haven't joined it yet. We're looking forward to having you as a member of our family. Won't you come? The altar is open. Everybody's coming. The altar is open. Everybody's coming. Won't you come? The altar's open. Everybody's coming. Amen. As I look out, I only see, uh, and I don't know, I think I see maybe a couple of guests with us today. I just want to say to this church, you recognize that your pastor is available. 
And if there are times when you have questions of me, I admonish you to come and say that you have a question. And you may sit down and you may get that question answered as best I can as long as you're not coming to attack me. If you're coming and you genuinely want to find an answer and there's something that you need to know, whether it is why we tithe or, it, or if it's why we stand at the altar after service, whatever that is, you should get an answer. Whether you like that answer or not, I can't tell you if you're going to like it. But you're more than welcome to contact me. You know how to contact me by phone. You can set up an appointment. You're more than welcome. Folks have known me to stay after Bible study. I've met folks between church and everything else. I'm accessible. And if anybody tells you otherwise, then they're wrong because I've made myself accessible. For a whole month, I sat down and had tea with a number of families in this church and answered questions and so on and so forth. So if it's information that you want, it is information you can get. But if you want to be misinformed, then begin to ask folk who are misinformed and they'll continue to keep you misinformed. Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your power. And Lord, right now, I just pray a special blessing upon this church. And I thank you, God, that this is a church that believes in tithing. And God, today now, as we take these words uh, that are in the text and we apply them to our life and, and we do what you've called us to do in terms of our giving, continue to unleash upon us, Lord, your great blessings that we might walk in your light, walk in your spirit as those who give out of the issues of our heart, giving cheerfully, Lord. And today, Father, I ask that you would just bless the petitions upon the hearts of those who stand here at the altar. Touch our bodies, both physically and spiritually and bless us, Lord. Heal us where we're torn down. Touch Sister Dorothy Carter today and heal her body. Uh, continue to uh, touch her mind and her spirit and her soul, Father, that she might stand again in your name and in your righteousness. Lord, today we just thank you for the blessings that you continue to bestow upon this church. And Lord, we ask that you bless those who are here, bless those who are not here, Lord, and continue to keep your arms around us. Unify us in your presence and in your spirit. Lord, continue to bring forth a vision that the people will not and shall not and do not perish. God, we ask that you would today continue to bless this church that it might be a beacon light that sets upon a hill, a salt that has not lost its savor. And then, Father, we ask today not for things, not for houses, not for cars, not for land, but we ask that you would just make this congregation happy, Lord. Only you can make us happy, Lord. Uh, we can go out and buy a piano. We can go out and buy carpets and rugs and lights, but Lord, we can't make ourselves happy. Doesn't matter how big our church is, doesn't matter how many folk are here, we still can't make ourselves happy. And so today, Lord, we ask that you would just send a spirit of happiness, divine happiness, Lord, that we might put a smile on our face and our hearts might be lifted up and that the depressed might find joy here in this church. Give us love and give us peace and give us joy, God. Give us things from on high that only you can give, that we might walk in the beauty of your holiness and that we might be blessed in season and out of season that we might be blessed in the house and in the field. And so today, Lord, we thank you that we are the head and not the tail. And God, we thank you that you've promised us to destroy the devourer. And so today, Lord, we thank you for your word, your will, and your way. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, and bless us on that last and great day when he shall call and we must answer, when the trump of God shall sound in the middle of the air. May he make his face to shine upon you and let his great countenance fall. The everlasting, invisible, immortal God, 
the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with you, henceforth and forevermore. Amen. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Baptist Church, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information, visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week.